0: There's plenty of bad news out there. How about some good news? The book of Proverbs says that good news from a far country is like cold waters to a thirsty soul. I'm glad you're listening, because I do have good news. It's from a far country, so get out a tall glass. You should remember that song. These are dear Christians from Zaporozhye Ukraine, singing song in Russian that says, I believe, I believe, It's the theme music for a Ukrainian update here in the middle of the month as I also hope you haven't forgotten that there is a military conflict going on in Ukraine, uh, a war, and today's episode is titled 12 Snapshots in Ukraine. Now you'll notice I didn't say 12 from Ukraine. If I had used the preposition from, I would be talking about news items. And though this podcast is about news from a far country, I'm not just going to tell you about 12 news items, I'm actually going to give you living snapshots about 12 national preachers, godly men from Ukraine, and how they have been serving our Lord in the last seven weeks of chaos, disarray, and destruction in their country. Luke 6 records that when it was day, after praying all night, Jesus called unto him his disciples, And of them he chose 12, whom he also named apostles. Later, we read in Acts 1 that Jesus said, Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Ever wonder how those men from Galilee were going to get to the uttermost parts of the earth? Well, we're living on the side which can see their history. So we know it's a combination of their love for the Lord Jesus and his gospel, as well as the travails of persecution that scattered the Christ followers around the world. In similar ways, there are thousands, tens of thousands of Ukrainians today, today, who are going to be in new and sometimes dire situations, where they are going to meet people bearing witness of Jesus Christ. And they got there because of the war. Now, these 12 that I'm talking about today are specific because all 12 of them are involved with Gospel Inc. That means there are personal donors from the U.S. who have been supporting them financially before the war broke out. But even now, many of you are giving to the Ukrainian crisis fund that Gospel Inc. has set up, and this money is being sent to Ukraine nearly every week. Now, I know this is a podcast, but these 12 snapshots in Ukraine also come in picture form. So I'm going to go to the website, Cup of Good News. And I'm going to go through the photos that these different men have sent. Okay, cupofgoodnews.org. And I am looking at a photo of Vitali Lach. Vitaly Lach and his family live in the Kharkov region. For the first two years of the war, I didn't hear from any of the 10 men that Gospel Inc. is working with in that region. So I'm so grateful that I have heard from them at this point. Vitaly sent a report here in April. I'll read it. He says, thank you for your concern for our country and our ministry at this difficult time. My wife and I have decided to stay in Kharkov to minister to the people at this time. Now Vitaly and his wife have two grown children who are married. They have a teenage daughter. He writes, we decided to send our daughter with our two sons who are in their 20s to the western part of Ukraine. When the war began, he writes, the first thing to do was to evacuate people from imminent death. I was given a pretty old and faulty car with which I took out everyone who asked for it. Since that initial phase, we ha- are helping people with food distribution. So here's a photo of Vitali and some people crammed in his old and faulty car. Here's another picture of an elderly man who's in Kharkov, still living in the apartment and uh, getting some food from Vitali. At first, People had to pay for the food that was brought in, but now we are bringing humanitarian cargo in from different ways and means. Every day we are helping somewhere between 30 and 60 people. Sometimes I am delivering the goods to the very apartment door of these needy people. We are also giving out New Testaments and we're encouraging people to repent and to turn to God. Right now, at this stage, my wife and I plan to be in Kharkov as long as we see the Lord using us to be a ministry to people in need. Some days are exhausting, and of course, we are tired in our souls, as well as physically. I think the fatigue and work accumulates day after day. Here's another report from a man from the Kharkov region. He actually doesn't live in the city of Kharkov. He lives in the town of Kupiansk uzlovy and the village was occupied by the Russian army for some time. Uh, they've left at this point, of course, if you're staying up with the news. But uh, Valery Kovalenko writes this, you may ask how we prepared for the Russian invasion of our territory. On February 19th, in the city of Kupyansk, we held an evangelistic service. We had Christian brothers come from Kharkov and, Chugoy- and Chugoyev, and we had brothers from our church. We divided into groups and went all over the city, handing out New Testaments and inviting people to church and pray to the Lord That he would not allow war we did not think there would be war but on february 24th when they started bombing from aircraft we realized that this was a war what happened in the early days is hard to explain panic and fear prevented many people who do not know our god from doing the right thing my wife and i were at our home first we made a very practical move we collected our necessary things our documents near to us And as we heard bombing, we knelt down and prayed to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord preserved our home. Pastor Kavalenko goes on to explain how he also watched his grandchildren evacuate to the West. But uh, he and his wife have stayed. He writes on, in this difficult time, many people need support. Not only physical, but much more spiritual care. When you help unbelievers and then talk about the Lord, they are ready to listen with delight. When you say there is hope, they are encouraged and thankful for support. Many people invited us to come to their homes, and they also invited their neighbors to come and listen. The neighbors come, and for more than two hours, I talk about God. There are those who have already repented and are reading the Bible. One of my own nearby neighbors told me that she used to read the Bible and did not understand. But now I understand everything, she said. I assured her that it is God who reveals his word to her. Pastor Valeri goes on with some personal conflicts. He writes, One day I came home after a conversation and I opened the Bible. And there I read this verse. O you who teach and remind of the Lord, do not be silent. It was such a personal verse to me. Therefore, I must say that the Lord's Spirit is sustaining us in the midst of this great grief and suffering. There is joy inside. And I know that it was the Lord who touched my heart and encouraged me. I believe that this war is a test for us believers. When I read in church before the war on the topic, Love your enemies, I understood and accepted this command by Jesus. But when I received the news that my second cousin had died, because he was blown up by a mine when he was carrying food for people. Then there is a conflict in my heart. With my mind I understand I am to love my enemies, but my heart does not accept this. Evil appears and attempts me to be bitter. For more than a month now this bloody war has been going on. Both the news that we see and that which our own eyes sees hardens the heart. I ask the Lord that in that moment when I have to face the enemy, Will he give me the strength to do the right thing? There are different enemies. But what to do with the enemy who has killed your relatives and your friends? How can I, a mortal person, love him? I'll be honest. I can't. But the God who lives in me, he can. That's good news from a far country, isn't it? Another one of our gospel preachers from the Kharkov region is Ivan Rybalka. He begins his report, I am writing to you from Hever, Germany. This first photo was taken in Germany and these are very good people who know and love the Lord. They have welcomed us. He backs up and he tells about how in January they celebrated the Christmas holiday in the church of Baravenko, Ukraine. There were many guests at the celebration, musicians from the city of Panyutin as well as many children and youth. For more than two hours the meeting was filled with the glory of the Lord Christ and His grace. We have been looking forward to being ready for Easter. But war has prevented this. Today shelling is going on in the city of Baravenkovo. My brethren from there have communicated to me that windows have been broken out of the house of prayer. Many of our brothers and sisters have also evacuated. I'm looking at a photo of Ivan Rybalka preaching the word of God in Germany. He finished his report saying, please pray for the clarity of God's will and for the speedy end of the war, because we certainly hope to return to Ukraine. Regards, Ivan. Another man from Kharkov also had to leave. His name is Sergei Tachtaulov. He explains his story. He said, at the time of the invasion, all of our family was staying in, the, in our apartment in Kharkov. My family and I are grateful to everyone who thinks of us and prays. This kind of support is invaluable. Until the very beginning of the war, I did not believe that this would happen. Even early in the morning when an explosion sounded not far from us, it was hard to believe. In the early days, as Kharkov was being shelled, my wife and I decided to take the two younger children, and go to the southeast of Kharkov, to a smaller town called Balakleva. Balakleva is about 40 miles away from Kharkov city. The very next day after we left Kharkov, several bombs were dropped on the city and many of the apartment buildings were left without windows. The damage was severe. Then the equipment of the Russian Federation drove into parts of the city. The Russian military also came and attacked Balakleva, The Ukrainian artillery was firing only 15 miles from where we were, and there were battles. Then in the evening, an airstrike was carried out on our village. The plane launched two rockets that rustled right over our house, and explosions were not far away. At that moment, the children and I clung to the floor and prayed to God. It was scary, but the Lord had mercy. There were five houses damaged, but there were no casualties. After that, we decided to go to a bomb shelter in the village for the evening. There, we met local people. This opened up the opportunity for a conversation with them about the things of God and the meaning of life and repentance. This conversation lasted more than two hours, and there were about 30 people of all different ages. Airstrikes became more and more frequent in our neighboring villages. One morning, a plane flew over us, and i sensed serious danger i thought that maybe i need to take my family to the west you may or may not know timothy he is 14 years old my son he has diabetes he needs test strips insulin syringes we have had some in supply but of course we are using it up and the money is running out and of course the front is approaching us it seemed that we should leave one evening when I phoned my daughter Veronica back in Harkov. While we were on the phone, there was a rocket attack in their area. Our three children that were there and four of their neighbors lay in the corridor of their apartment and they shuddered together with the explosions. While on the phone, a thought came to me, read Psalm 91. So I asked my daughter to turn on the speakerphone and I began to read loudly. He that trusteth in the Lord Most High shall dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. I suggested after reading that that we pray the Lord's Prayer together. All of us prayed in unison. The children later said that the explosion soon stopped around them and they were actually able to get some sleep that night. Praise the Lord. But we realized how dangerous it was to stay because our area was shelled every day. So we decided that we should leave Harkov for the west. And so it happened. He goes on to tell how difficult the journey was. He doesn't have relatives in Western Ukraine. He doesn't know anyone in countries of proximity to Ukraine. So he said, we traveled from Lazova to Lviv, from Lviv to Psymisl, from Prziziml to Krakow, finally from Krakow to Zaragoza, which is Spain. When we were driving to Lvov, I talked with a woman and her son about spiritual things. In Przemysl, we were sheltered at a Polish church, and there were five non-Christians from Ukraine with their sons. In the evening, I talked to them about God and what was happening. We prayed with them together. We also gave them New Testaments, if they asked for them or if they wanted them. Sergei concludes his letter by saying, during this time, there were many revelations from God Sergei Tachtaulov wrote how much the scriptures have meant to him this month. He quoted in his report from Psalm 32, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. He didn't just preach that this last month. He saw it demonstrated. Obviously, not all the preachers in Ukraine have left the country. If you remember Igor SiaLENko that I talked about last month, he was the one who the Russian army stole his car the day after he escaped. He has sent a report to his sponsor. He wrote, thank you for your prayers and care. My wife and daughter and I are currently living in the Vinitsa region in the village of Barivka. We know a Christian brother who encouraged us to come here to Barivka. There is a church there of 30 members in which there is no pastor. And the ministry is simply led by a brother who serves as a deacon and only reads the word of God, but does not preach or teach. Before there was a brother who led a Bible study, but he died of coronavirus. Thus, I am now leading a Bible study, preaching and teaching the gospel. There are several non-Christian women who are here whose husbands have been taken away to the fight. We are sharing with them. We pray for them and they are attending church for the comfort and fellowship. The church members have received us well, and they have provided us with housing. And then there are some of our gospeling preachers who evacuated to the West, but then have come back after dropping off relatives or church members. I'm looking at a photo again from Stepan Vasilovich Bokac. And in his letter he writes, We are helping people with accommodation, mainly those who travel through here in transit. There are a lot hundreds of people who are coming through Krivoj Rok. They settle for a long time because they have to register at the refugee assistance center and there are Christian brothers and churches here organized to help people. We are treating them with tea, coffee, sandwiches throughout the day. One of the photos I'm looking at are some of these refugees getting tea in the tent that Stepan Vasilovich has set up, but most importantly, he writes, people are open to the gospel. We get to know each other in personal conversations. We are helping buy food, baby food, diapers. Sometimes, if necessary, we find housing for them. We are also giving contacts of churches in the western part of Ukraine. We are also helping family members who have already moved through from Kyrgyzstan or Mariupol. We are helping them find other cities and villages to go to. We're helping with food and, of course, we're helping them find hope in the Lord. For example, in one place, there's 80 people. 46 of them are children. They've all come from evacuated villages in the Herson region. And they're living in these boarding schools and dormitories. Our churches have organized to visit them. We're preaching the word, sharing the word. We're doing children's theater. We're buying them vegetables. At one place, we help them to financially to repair a washing machine that was in the dormitory. There are many places like this where people are living in our area. We are looking in different ways to help them as well as to share the gospel. So that brings us to snapshot number seven, Sergey Chernytsky. I know him pretty well. I've done youth outreach with him when I've been to Ukraine. He writes, in ministry, we are much involved. We have poured finances into the refugee situation. I have even erected billboards which I'm sure are read by many, and we hope to point them to the Lord. I'm looking at a photo of one of those billboards. It's from Psalm 49, which would be Psalm 50 in English. And it says, Call unto me in the day of trouble. I will deliver and glorify myself. Sergei goes on, I am praying with many who are Christians, but find themselves displaced. Some scriptures that have been so powerful for us are Psalm 91, Stories of King Jehoshaphat, King Hezekiah, and how the Lord delivered them. I have visited many smaller churches in the region, and of course the needs are everywhere. We are distributing food to the poor and also to many gypsy people. Thank you for your prayers and your support. God bless you. Sergey. Now here is a Gospel Link preacher, which I do not have a photo of which is a little too bad, but I wanted to include him in the snapshots because he is actively going back and forth in the areas around Zaporozhye. He's helping with refugees. He is bringing food things to people like, like many of the pastors and the church, people who are still there. But significantly, he is taking New Testaments when he goes through the Russian military checkpoints and witnessing to the Russian soldiers giving them New Testaments if they're willing to take them. You won't see that in the news, but that is refreshing and encouraging because most of these boys don't want to be in the war either. But uh, a Ukrainian pastor is offering them the word of life. Nikolai Jolman lives in the eastern part of Ukraine. He wrote a report that said the war was really a surprise for us and many people were confused and shocked. On the very first day that the war broke out, people who were living near the house of prayer called me and they said I needed to come. When I got there, several families with children were standing there outside the house of prayer. These were all non-Christians, but they were looking for shelter because they were afraid that the city was gonna be bombed. We talked with them. I prayed to them. I asked the Lord more than once for their protection and that they might be able to find peace in their hearts. Of the five families that were gathered there, four returned back to their apartments, feeling real peace in their souls. One woman with three children stayed at the house of prayer until the next morning, and then she left for the west in Ukraine. This was the very first day of the war, and I remembered the prayer that I had prayed. Not long ago, we had asked the Lord to send people to us, or to bring us to them that needed to hear. Obviously, we have begun to receive humanitarian aid. We begin to distribute to people. But even before that, we were conveying the gospel and talking to them. We have continued to hold church services despite the military activity around us. And we have seen about 40 people come to church. 30 of these have repented and received Christ as their savior. Throughout the week, People come and knock on our door. They want counseling. They want advice. Sometimes they come in fours, threes, twos, fives. But I sit with them and express the gospel to them and tell them who the Lord is so that they can know how to be saved. I'm looking at two photos that Nikolai took, probably his wife took, because Nikolai is with, like he said, a threesome and a foursome, sharing the gospel with him in the midst of this ordeal. It's so interesting how people are They're in Nikolai's village. The people have gathered around the house of prayer, hoping for safety. Alexander Chub. he told a little different story. He told about the early days of the war, actually the very first two. Uh, he said, there was a lot of anxiety. And so people would come and stay in the basement of our house. I'm looking at the photo, again, at uh, online on the website, and it isn't much of a basement, quite honestly. <laughs> uh, but uh, he writes, my basement is not equipped for a bomb shelter. It's just a semi-basement room with water pipes and central heating pipes. <clears throat> During my stay both times, I preached to about 30 people who were gathered there. They were divided into two groups. Some were very gr- aggressive, saying, Where is God's love and mercy when he allows this war? They even threatened me and demanded that I shut up (laughs) in his own basement. (laughs) Others, on the other hand, were crying and telling me to continue and asking me to pray for them the whole time that we were sitting there. Alexander said that the stay in the basement was not very pleasant, so they didn't do it more than a couple times. He did write that cruise missiles fly over our town, on the way to Dnieper and Novomoskovsk, I have seen them in person three times. They fly very low, usually only about 150 feet above our heads. I'm looking at a picture of Alexander's wife. From the first days of the war, he says, my wife Irina has been working as a volunteer seamstress. She and four other women are sewing body armor for our soldiers. They work seven days a week from morning to evening. This work makes them tired, their legs, their backs hurt, and their eyesight has worsened, but they have a cause. Now I know that I've read a lot of reports and we've covered a lot of ground here in Ukraine from Zaporozhye to Kharkov, Germany, Spain, Uzgorod and more besides. And you've heard 10 names already, but I'm telling you it will be easier to keep these Ukrainian preachers straight if you actually go see their pictures. We always hear how faces are easier to remember than names. So I've posted 11 out of 12 of these snapshots on cupofgoodnews.org, that's cupofgoodnews.org. I really wanted to post a couple videos that Vadim Chobas sent me through WhatsApp. He lives in the most farthest west city of Ukraine, but he sent me videos of bombed out bridges and demolished buildings as he was driving food supplies and clothing into Irpin. I would have to link those videos to YouTube, which makes me a little uncomfortable seeing the conflict is still ongoing. And I just really don't want to risk Vadim's ministry as he is trucking every week across the country somewhere. So if you want to see those videos he sent, you'll have to email and request those. They're worth it. I will finish with audio, from our 12th snapshot in Ukraine, Vadim Birekov. Ukraine will celebrate Resurrection Sunday this weekend, and despite being in the thick of evacuations and rockets overhead, Vadim has this to say to us.
1: Dear Church, I would like to greet you in the name of our risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Thank you for your prayers thank you for being with us you lifted our burden and we were together in our trials thank you for your support and our ministry to refugees continue we give them shelter food we evacuate them and we pray that god brings his peace to our land Please continue to intercede for us. And recently I was thinking about these words from scripture, Second Samuel 24, twenty-four, sixteen, when God relented from his judgment upon Jerusalem and he said to the angel that was killing the people, that's enough, stop now. I pray, with the same words that God would relent from his judgment upon Ukraine. We pray that Jesus, who is Prince of Peace, will proclaim his peace upon the nations. <laughs>
0: given many of you are praying if you're like me there's times where we cry as well this is all part of being in ministry and part of being on a cursed and fallen planet but I praise God that there's salt and light out there the money and the funds that you have given have gone a hundred percent to these Ukrainian pastors and the people they're working with to spread the gospel to lighten the burden and to be a blessing to their people in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? That's a cup of good news.